Hey friends, welcome to Something Borrowed with me, Harry Baker, World Poetry Slam champion and amateur butterfly stroke swimmer. This is episode 20 and it's the final one of season one. Thank you for making it this far. Whether you've just joined or been in the whole time, Rachel Long could not have been a more perfect guest to finish on. Her poems are completely brilliant. Her chat was warm and wise and just such a joy to be a part of. I hope that comes through. I hope you get to hear it. This one was done over Zoom rather than Instagram. So just keeping it fresh for everyone involved. Uh, but I hope you enjoy it. I'll be back at the end to say a more emotional goodbye for all of the good times we've had together. I hope you enjoy the poems. As a content warning, uh, something blues are both a bit heavier. I talk about mum's cancer treatment and... Rachel's poem is about a childhood experience of one of her friends so if you don't fancy that that's fine but if you do they're really good poems um see you later bye something borrowed by Harry Baker to all of my friends who are watching right now thank you so much for being here I'm in a good mood and you can't guarantee that these days the fantastic Rachel Long Thank you so much for being here. How are you? Thank you, Harry. I'm good. I'm really good. I'm glad I'm talking to you. I was trying to remember the last time our paths crossed and my memory is it was at Latitude Festival. I think it was. I think that was the second to last meeting. I think that I last saw you in at the rap party at Edinburgh Festival exactly this time last year, almost to the day, I think. Bearing in mind... that That month I think I did about 50 gigs that was my (laughs) favorite one of the lot that rap in that 10 but also that specific like poem could not have had a better audience and I just felt the love it was amazing it was it was so good that was one of my favorite performances yeah that's that's in my that's in my top 10 performances of all time you were so good oh well thank you um are you up for doing some poems today yeah, Fantastic. as long as they'll be in your top 10 favourite. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. This is already time. top 10 of all time, okay, so don't worry about it. I always start off with something old and then mm. we'll, we'll bounce back and forth. One of my favourite ones I've done, they're all my favourites obviously, but was with Helen Seymour, who is very excited that you're coming on. She's Aww. also a big fan, so I hope she's watching this. And for my something old for that one, I delved back into the teenage rap album that I made that I wasn't aware still existed. And I'm going back into it today because I was contacted by a 17-year-old environmentalist who has written a poem and wants to do something together. And my first thought was, oh, I wrote a rap about the environment when I was also 17. So it'd be an amazing, like, 10 years apart, the same issue is still important. We could sort of do back and forth. And I sent her the lyrics and she said it's not quite the tone she was looking for. So that poem got rich and fair play. I did also, (laughs) my something new is the thing that got accepted that is definitely far more what she wanted. But I thought that was enough of an excuse to revisit my 17 year old rap about the environment. And (laughs) I would say two disclaimers. One, for the chorus, I just learned that you could rhyme Asian with other words that end in Asian. So that's very exciting. And Mm -hmm. two, I had just uh, discovered grime music. So it's written to be done at 140 BPM. I will do it at a bit of a steady tempo. But I just thought, what genre can capture the urgency that we need to be talking about the environment? And that was what I went for. 
So this is planet Earth. I'll try and just do it as it was without making too many excuses, but (laughs) it goes like this. Rivers, forests, rainbows, mountains. Wells blowing through blowholes to make fountains. Suns, stars, the clouds and the rain from the rolling hills to the desert plains. Grass, flowers, trees and jungles. From lions that roar to the bees that bumble. Canyons, volcanoes, glaciers and waterfalls. If this is Mother Nature, then what's her daughter called? If this is Mother Earth, when did she give birth? How long did it take to go from good to bad to worse? How soon after we found the bubble did it burst? Why are we so good at ruining it like it's rehearsed? We chopped the forest down and chopped the wood up without stopping. Carved the timber into axes and go out and do more chopping and it's shocking. But whenever we go shopping, we buy dead animals or stuff that has precious rocks in. We're all going to die, but nobody seems to panic. Seems to be worried this isn't how we planned it, but it's too late. We've polluted this planet. It's the fruits of our labor and it's not organic. People aren't affected by the greenhouse effect. We've polluted the future. No one cares what happens next. And it's hardly surprising. Sea levels are rising because cars are everywhere, like advertising. That was the big sort of verse ender. And then the chorus is, what would you do about deforestation? Would you be fuming if you needed fumigation? Does it sting you to think <laughs> about acid precipitation? Or does it make you stop like a station? Because I was like, a station makes you stop, and it's so easy to ride with. <laughs> stop caging up animals for mass reduction like factories. Stop and think, in fact, it's me that's making sure these cats are free. Stop driving to places when you could be cycling. Stop throwing away and start recycling. Stop chopping down forests to make a stained table. Find a way of living that is sustainable. Still proud of that rhyme. Stop and think instead of giving into greed. Stop taking what you want and only take what you need. Be resourceful instead of using up resources. Have a mouthful instead of all three courses. I mean, that is not an option, is it? There's not enough for everyone. That's a common myth. We need to redistribute it like a communist. I just learned what that was at the time. We're using grass as a drug. That's something we can't do. If we take ease from this planet, we'll be living on a plant. Again, teenage, no drugs message. And I was excited that the word plant was in the word planet. So I was like, if we take ease from the... But it just doesn't make sense. If one man can't make a difference, then you better tell your friends because they're going to face the consequence when this world ends. Glaciers are melting. That's the tip of the iceberg. There's a bigger problem, one that can't be stopped with nice words. It starts the Arctic. That's where we need to stop it. All the North and South Poles will be as hot as the tropics. Islands will be covered and stuck underwater. More people will die than Hitler could slaughter. Not sure about that one. Turn the next page. Then comes the Ice Age. That's when we're going to have to pay the price, mate. What would you do about deforestation? Would you be fuming if you needed fumigation? Does it sting you to think about acid precipitation or does it make you stop like a station? Mountains, rainbows, forests and rivers. Takers of this planet need to become givers. Jungles, trees, flowers and grass. It's up to you to make this planet last. Eruptions, explosions, lightning, thunder. Icebergs, tamils overground, 30 under. Canyons, glaciers, volcanoes and waterfalls. Save Mother Nature. That's what a daughter's for. What would you do about deforestation? Would you be fuming if you needed fumigation? Does it sting you to think about acid precipitation? Or does it make you stop? And then the track stopped on the word stop, which I remember just thinking, it's going to leave them wanting more. It's going to leave them wanting more. So... It's amazing. How, how does it feel to go back to, like, um, old work? So I thought when I discovered that I had a rap album I made when I was 16, 17, 
this would be really funny. It will be really embarrassing. And I'll have developed so much since then and can like look back and laugh. And there's obviously yeah. some lines that I wouldn't write now, but mm. I was surprised at how easy it is to see how I got from there to here and how mm. it still has that level of loving language and rhyme and rhythm and mm. just not having had as much practice with it. But actually... I'm really happy I made it. And I think one thing I liked about it was I just remember at the time being like, yeah, I want to rap and I want to make music. I want to talk about stuff that feels important and put it out there. And a lot of it is really earnest. And I think it's easy to shy away from that or be a bit too cool to be earnest. And even in myself now, I have to remind myself that it's obviously a good thing to care about stuff and to want to change the world and to make it better. And that was just something I would never have questioned as a 17-year-old. And my mm. best way of knowing how to do that was obviously doing a rap. And and some of it feels sort of unfiltered or a bit cringy, but I loved it. And it made me think mm. I would rather, you know, put stuff out that in 10 years' time I'll look back on and think, oh, I wish I'd done that better, than mm. like not put it out at all because I... Mm. I'm scared about how I feel about it in the future. No, it's really beautiful. It's like honouring your previous self, right? And yeah. I think sometimes, or a lot of the time, people can really try and distance themselves from basically themselves, just a previous version, but you wouldn't be the version that you're embarrassed or cringy about if you didn't have to be that one first. Yeah. Exactly. I wouldn't redo every song from that album, sure. <laughs> There's some of them that I think, you, you, given context, like the, f- the first rap on it was a rap about my shoes, which I painted Superman on the side of. So that was all about my Superman shoes. And I just got two verses in. And I think even at the time I was like, I've not got enough to go about. So I just made up a dramatic third verse where someone like stole my shoes. And I was like, well, this has now become a fictional story with some drama in I love right. it, but maybe because it was about shoes that it should have only been two verses anyway. Yeah, I mean, again, that's that's what we can learn with hindsight. <laughs> <laughs> um, would you be up for sharing something old? Yes. It's not a rap, though, I feel. That's but, absolutely uh, I fine. I don't have a childhood... Uh... None of my other ones are raps, if that, if that makes you feel better. That does make me feel better in many ways. I have decided to go with um, what I think is the oldest poem in the book, even though I think there are a lot of the things that I was always, which is what you said about going choosing something from when you were 17. I think I've always been obsessed with the same things and themes. And actually, if I go back, I was probably always trying to get to certain things in this book. And it's just, these are just the more sophisticated versions of the kind of the girls that they were as poems. So actually they're all really old poems. They're all things that we're always writing, right? Mm. Um, But this is probably, I think, the one that is oldest and probably looks the most like all of its previous selves. Okay, amazing. Sandwiches. Tiff's got me against the school railings doing my eyeliner. In double French, I'd whispered, your eyes, will you make mine like that? Slice through a room, a lie, a man, break time, her body on mine, stush then soft, 
sugar on the tongue of all she hasn't done yet, all she's heard she could do. Already tiffs are reckoning, bomb glitter on lids, oil spill on lips, sandwiches padding her bra. Yeah, the sandwiches, thick, white, unbuttered. See, tiffs clocked, the boys have clocked the difference between a tissue and a tip, a sock and a tit, but not quite yet a tit and a slice of bread. Oh, girl, you have opened my eyes. How they weep. Oh, come on. Amazing. Thank you so much. I um, I hope you do that one. If that, am I allowed to say that? Aww. I've got um, I've got your book here. I'm so excited to talk about it. It's amazing. You're amazing. Congrats on your book coming out. How does it feel to have a book come out in in these times? Or what was the journey to it being published? Because, like you say, it's poems of a lifetime of sorts. Mm-hmm. It feels. I feel very, I do feel proud. And I think that's the first time I've said it. Mm. I think I've been like, no, I don't, I don't. Um, but I do. Wow. Um, but in a quiet way. And I think this is this um, kind of the time that we're in has meant that I've been able to be quiet with it in a way that otherwise I think probably there would be lots of gigs and appearances and physical things and I think I'm quite enjoying maybe because I'm a massive introvert the opportunity to be to kind of take it in my stride and not have to perform pride yeah perform excitement when it doesn't my excitement I don't think looks the way that I think other people might want it to yeah my excitement is like crying in a corner and being <laughs> yeah, which you can't do at a gig, you know, with other people I around. I wish but you I could. I can do it in my house. Yeah, I know. I wish you could. It's it's been so lovely to see different people getting their copies in the post and and sharing it and being excited about it. And I think so. I went to my wife Grace. It's her brother's wedding at the weekend, and it was a much Aww. smaller version of what it would have been. But there was a moment, you know, we're sat in the church, spaced apart with masks on, and then we turn around and and Chez comes through the door in her wedding dress and everyone starts weeping. And it's a moment of pure joy that Mm. is unstoppable. And, you know, to go to something and be able to celebrate in amongst all this, because, you know, I think so much of the, the current feeling is we can't celebrate anything at the moment because Mm. the world's in chaos. And so Mm. not to compare your book to a wedding, but it was really lovely to see your book coming out and feel like that was something that different people were celebrating at different points and just something to be excited about. So I'm glad you've enjoyed the quietness of it because I'm glad it's come out during this because it's given me something to to read and be happy about. So thank you for that. Thank you. That's really beautiful. I love that you went to a wedding at the weekend. It was also, it's the most I've ever felt like I look good in my life. And I, that's not normally my vibe, but I just thought it's going to be really hot and I don't really enjoy wearing suits. And I thought I don't Mm. want to be in a suit sweating, but also I don't want to 
turn up to a wedding in trackies or whatever and I found a like all-in-one short sleeve jumpsuit and I happened to have a face mask that matched and I didn't know that was a thing and Grace looked amazing and we were like a pandemic fashion power couple <laughs> and it was just like oh yeah obviously you can still like get dressed up and have a nice time even if you can't do all of these other things so it was a good time I on all of the that. levels um I are you up that. for another poem about the environment 10 years on yeah yeah still a bit earnest but doesn't rhyme as much <laughs> <laughs> it's definitely not a wrap this one I th- and again, I don't know if this is me trying to distance myself from it, um, but this mm. is going to be put in between a poem that this teenage activist has written, and I hope they don't mind me reading it now, but mm. anything goes on a, on a podcast is what I'm saying. The wild way. Um, we are all children compared to Mother Earth. There is a tree alive today that is 4,852 years old. That is 173 times my lifetime on this planet. And I thought I was old because I don't really understand TikTok. (laughs) I moved to the seaside three years ago. And to this day, I have never regretted going for a swim. Even in January when it is freezing and I scream as I get in, I am aware I am alive and it is worth it. By contrast, I have never felt better after going on Twitter when, where killing time becomes slowly losing the will to live. When you are drowning in it, you forget how draining it all is when in the real world, people can be amazing. I used to try to motivate myself when I was starting out by saying, don't get bitter, get better. Mm. I have updated it for current times when I am feeling down. Now it goes, don't get Twitter, get wetter. <laughs> I never thought I'd miss the wind. Certain things you only find out once you have been locked in. And not that gentle breeze, Titanic scene, I'm flying Jack type thing, but a proper lose your hat and break your brolly scenario. Recently, I've started looking up the tide times. Imagine having where and when you go somehow being decided by the moon. Knowing you are a part of something that much bigger than you sometimes can really help put things in perspective. A system that is fueled by people's greed that relies on telling us what we should want or even need is undermined when we start valuing things we can get for free. These days I'm chasing down a different type of green. We are not the first people to go through this. Since I was young, we hoped the other side could hold a greener grass, but there is a chance for us to change the way we do things. One way or another, we could be the last. Amazing. I don't think, what do you mean earnest? Well, no, so it's, that was me kind of coming back to the same themes and trying to ground it in my specifics. And one thing I loved was, again, the energy that this this girl Bella was bringing was much more earnest. And so I think it then works really well in between. Mm -hmm. But I was just reading my bits. But yeah, that will hopefully be a video at some point. That will That's really cool. Really cool. Have you got something old you're up for doing? Something new, even? Yes, I have. I have got something new. Maybe an original, but I thought I'd go with the newest poem in the book. Yes. Um, this one came out of, as you've done a commission piece, we're in sync, Harry. I like it. Um, 
This kind of came out of a commission from Tate Modern. Each year they have the Hyundai commission. This is a commission from a commission. And this year they had Kara Walker, an American, African-American artist, Kara Walker, was commissioned um, and it was in the massive turbine room. So the huge, huge, huge one as you first walk into Tate Modern. And it is of a fountain, and Kara calls it the gift to the heart of the empire, so here. And the fountain is based on the Victoria Fountain and uh, on that Buckingham Palace. Yes. Loopy roundabout. And, but instead, she's reimagined it. So instead of Queen Victoria at the top, it's a, an Afro-Brazilian goddess, kind of water coming out of her boobs and napoleon's there the queen victoria is there but on a lower plinth and there is a man in a really subservient position and in the water there's all sharks various people being sort of consumed by the sharks it's a really kind of it's a really disturbing piece and i went to see it so many oh some of the marbles taken from or all of the marble actually was sourced from brighton so it's all from here it's made from this land so to speak um, but it is a super disturbing piece and I went to see it about three or four times and I just could not get into it. Okay. Like I could not access any of it. Um, and around the same time I was like, oh shit, cause you know, when you got commission, you're like, well, I'm going to have to access something. Um, so I was going down little loops over on Twitter or YouTube and I was watching really old interviews of like Victoria and David Beckham. Uh, like on Parkinson and stuff. Come on. For some reason at like 4 a.m. Um, and then then this came out. So I was thinking about Carl Walker's uh, Fonz Americanus, that's what it's called. And then also Victoria. It's called The Sharks and Victoria Beckham. Have teeth like little handbags, sharp as a white designer suit against fake tan. No top underneath, just tape the breasts. I'll be careful when I move through the party, through the flashing water. I'll do my best to avoid their comments about David, the affair. What did you say? I don't need to call the paparazzi on myself. Why would I? Just doesn't make sense. A photograph of all of us would go for six mil, I heard. The same number as the Great Migration. I remember. I did history. I have the memory of a handbag. Sometimes I'm rooting around for my phone and come up with crumbs in my nails from the dinner the day David got his OBE. The way we looked into each other's eyes and said, he after me, that we were proud to be British made me think of the apple of Adam and Eve circa 2003. I flirt with the camera, with Parkinson on Parkinson. I can't stop touching the tip of my nose. I begin to curl the lip of my little black dress and say, Beckenham Palace is done up nicer than Buckingham. With an early laugh, untrained, bawdy, a handbag, it's crazy. We remember things I don't, and I have a great memory. I did history. Sometimes I'm digging around for my phone and I'll dredge up receipts like the bag shoves them into my hands like it wants me to unball and look at them again. Though some are faded, I must find my prescription sunglasses, so faded like they've been underwater. The handbag keeps them all at the bottom of its silk-lined belly. Being packed carrying the right bag at the right time within a socio-historical context can be monumental. 
can float your fashion career, your global business empire, an investment more so than gold bullion, a palace, a person, even a diamond. It doesn't forget. Mm, thank you so much. Incredible. Incredible. Um, yeah, uh, so testament to uh, 3 a.m. YouTube holes sometimes. Yeah. Sometimes. Sometimes. Um, Thank you so much. Um, Can I ask you about the Octavia Collective and and just for you to tell the the listeners slash viewers how it came about, what it is. It's it's amazing, but you can put it better than I can. Thank you. Um, Octavia is a poetry collective for women of colour, though I am thinking... This can be an exclusive scoop. I am thinking of kind of changing the name. I think it's really interesting to me how language can change and move. And in terms, especially when you're talking about race, because race basically doesn't exist. Well, it does, it's invented. But so the language that we have around it can move and change every period of time, like until someone else theorizes or calls other people's attention to the fact that it's weird or there's a problem with it. So. BMAE right now, you know, that's under scrutiny. It's always been really weird to me. Bam. But uh, so there's that kind of in the common conversation. And so women of colour, I'm thinking about it. And it's a really American term as well. And that's, yeah. and a lot of our racial theory does come out of America as well. Anyway, sorry, yeah. getting sidelined, but it's something that I think about a lot. So currently Octavia is a collective for women of colour. And we used to meet and we still will again when um, Southbank opens but at Southbank Centre in London. It is made up of 20, at my last count, 20 brilliant, brilliant women uh, writers, poets, but as well as like astrophysicists and doctors and dancers and actors and artists and I wanted to come out of a lot of frustration so I started Octavian 2014 and I'd just come out of a really stiff and not necessarily very pleasant academic space and I met a lot of who are currently in Octavia through the poetry scene wider, so definitely not in that university space. And a lot of us had the same experiences, if not very similar, the same kind of frustrations, the same things that we were really getting us down, you know? And so I thought, how about we make a space where we don't necessarily have to deal with some of the bullshit that we have to in other writing spaces when really all we want to do is just write and all the other stuff. It just really drags the energy and actually yeah. it's really distracting from just doing what we want to do, which is just right. Yeah. Come on. But that's why um, Octavia on. is in existence and we would normally meet once a month and we sit and we write and we talk and but basically is to just write and is to write in a free and a safe space yeah. that is it and I think yeah there's no kind of convolution or anything like yeah. that that's all it was for just to get on with freaking writing and like that's that that is it very basically amazing um I'm gonna do something borrowed yeah uh, and it's well one of the joys of the the online times is I've performed alongside people I've I've never met before 
And mm. Half Poison Snakes did some gigs that Vanessa Casule is hosting. And I got to do a gig with Sahima Manzor Khan, who just like completely blew me away. But she had a mm. poem specifically where she referenced the fact that these conversations about structural racism are being turned into conversations about diversion and inclusiveness and mm. about what it means to kind of use BAME. And so mm. this, yeah, this poem's about that. But also the reason why I wanted to do it, I did, I had Josh Edehen on last week and he talked a lot about lines and specific lines in a poem that just get you or grab you. Mm. And like the whole theatre of poetry, whatever, doesn't matter. It's just about those lines. But for mm. me, this poem has a hook that repeats that subtly shifts that I think is amazing. And that was one thing that just really grabbed me in, in your book was the opening poem then reappearing in its different forms and just finding that as a punctuation of the other poems, I just thought it was completely brilliant. So as a homage to that and to Sahoma, I'd like to read this poem because it's got, it's got lines. Um, <laughs> but it's called Decentering Diversity. Equal access to unjust systems is not liberation. More people of colour on pedagogically unchanged reading lists is not salvation. And no number of black and brown faces in universities can fundamentally undo the racism. Just because they give you a seat at the table doesn't mean they want you to speak at the table. Mm-hmm. It's a virtuous invitation that reflects well on the host. And the only thing that's better than a generous institution is a grateful beneficiary who follow the key rule. The people of color should be seen and not heard. Fit for open day handbooks, but not safety in academia. Equal mm-hmm. access to unjust systems is not liberation. More people of color on pedagogically unchanged reading lists is not salvation. And no number of black and brown faces in universities can fundamentally undo the racism. Just because they give you a seat at the table doesn't mean they want you to eat at the table. Mm. They make out that the racism is the number of students of colour, but not that it's the underestimation of their knowledge, the exclusion of their histories and distortion of their names, the policing of their speech and a culture of surveillance. They make out that the racism is the content of core modules, but not that it's the whiteness in the mark of valued knowledge, the processes Mm. that underlie the racist dropout rate, or the lack of mental health service that can understand race. Just because they give you a seat at the table doesn't mean that they'll take their feet off the table. They make out that the racism is the number of academics of colour, but not that it's the treatment of the other black and brown staff, the cleaners and the caterers, the security on the door, not that it's the fees or the opaque decision-making. Equal access to unjust systems is not liberation. More people of colour on pedagogically unchanged reading lists is not salvation. And no number of black and brown faces in universities can fundamentally undo the racism. Mm. Just because they give you a seat at the table doesn't mean they're prepared to change the room. Mm. So just the, the lines, the, yeah, hearing that just shook me in all, all kinds of ways. So big up Sahim. They're, they're, they're really brilliant lines. Like, the whole thing really brilliant. And so true. So fucking true. Yeah. Um, also, her book is called Postcolonial Banter, which 
as far as poetry book titles go is up there yeah good right i'm gonna get it that is my my next book purchase even though i'm like you're not to buy anymore that one i'm gonna buy yeah i recommend it thank you are you up for doing something borrowed yeah i'm just recovering from that um yeah something borrowed maybe i should have gone with someone else should i what a narcissist i was like i didn't even think of that Um, (laughs) I thought about influences and I thought about all the people and the poets who have inspired me to write and to find my own most authentic voice, Mm. even though that's changeable as well. And someone who, when I read her, I was like, oh my gosh, like what a just a kind of whole new brilliant gust of energy and it just went with my work and that point was uh, Morgan Parker whose collection I read on the recommendation of Jack Underwood and the collection's called Other People's Comfort Keeps Me Up at Night so even in terms of title I was like yeah I need to work on my titles but it's the way in which she writes so most of the poems in that book the speed it's not even speed, it's like the pace. Mm. And she's like, one thought, another thought, another thought, another thought. And how they all just come and spill out and how she allows herself to contradict herself, how you can be multiple things and feel and think multiple things at once, particularly in terms of like the body. And I think reading that collection absolutely, absolutely allowed me to write this. And this is called Apples. Last night, I missed my train by seconds so close that one part of me did catch it and waved from the window to the other half still panting on the platform, tits play-doughing out of a shit bra. I couldn't sleep for an hour and a quarter, the exact time between the two slices of me reaching home in separate taxis, each driven by a brother who co-owned the firm. Today, I'm assuming the recovery position in my favorite outfit, a jumper with no knickers, the perfect hot cold combo, like a bowl of baked crumble and ice cream. I am magazine educated, so I've known for a while now that my body is an apple. Supporting theory, I bruise so easy, I worry it's leukemia. No, the doctor says again, It's just your dark skin. She recommends scar serum. When I was bored after service, mum still counting the collection, then insisting on sweeping from altar to street, I'd sit in front of a pillar, playing with my brain Barbie. She was brown with tattoos, and I made her have sex with a grown man in a toilet cubicle. I don't remember her face or her body nor what I named her, something beginning with N. When the mum of my then best friend said her daughter wasn't allowed to play with me because I was another N-word, meaning mum went round in her dressing gown to slap her silly with her tongue, then returned to scatter the kitchen and shred dad's guardian for not sticking up for us, for never, ever saying anything. After that, I had a sleep dream in which I grew a bright green face, Granny Smith-hued, high-polished. 
And even though I was green, I was the most beautiful woman in the world. I had the best hair and even did humanitarian work. I was interviewed about both things each night for TV. Mm. Thank you. Thank you, Morgan, in the universe. Yes. Thank you for doing one of your own poems because I'm really glad I got to hear that. Um, oh no, I feel really bad now that I should have no. been like, I'm just going to go to the bookcase after so. <laughs> no, I mean, the, one of the reasons I've enjoyed that bit is hearing people's influences. So when you get to hear it directly, I think that's amazing. I'm at the opposite point where I'm working out if I can do other people's poems in other sections because I'm running mm. off my own. So, <laughs> but also like that, it's the bit I look forward to each week is thinking, oh, okay, you know, it's got me reading more poetry again. And that's, that's never a bad thing. Oh. If I had not been an accidental narcissist and I and not even thought about reading someone, I would have definitely read a Caroline Bird poem as well, not only in terms of influence, but also because I reread The Air Year the other night and I was just knocked out fresh. Like Amazing. A, <laughs> that connection is really brilliant. So it would have been one from there. Cool. Well, that can go person. in the, the further reading notes of the podcast for people. Oh, listening. wow. You have further reading notes. I, I don't, but I will. <laughs> Sorry, you were being sarcastic, and I was like, "This is amazing." Yeah, like, no, geez, what are you thinking about this? I mean, normally the further reading notes are follow us both on Twitter. <laughs> so this is more more useful. Yeah, they can, we can have footnotes, you know, all sorts. Yeah, definitely. Um, amazing. So something blue for me. Yeah, is what's your blue? Next week, me and my mum are doing a sponsored walk together. And it's mm. the length of a marathon. And the backstory is that we were going to run a marathon together in Bethlehem to raise money for the Amos Trust as, as part of the Right to Movement marathon. And my mum got food poisoning the night before, so we couldn't run it together. But we sort of started off together anyway. I mean, she's amazing in that she had food poisoning and still... Sounds amazing. Like only did half a marathon with an upset stomach. So she's full on legend. But part of the backstory to that was that she's always loved running. And this was going to be the first marathon she did after having had chemotherapy because she was diagnosed with breast cancer. And the first question she asked the doctor when she got her diagnosis was, will I still be able to run? And it meant the world to her that in her medical notes, they included her like marathon PB time because that was so important to her. And so she's absolutely like an evangelist for running or convince anyone she knows to get involved. I've been victim of that. But um, one of the things she did to reclaim some agency in a time when it was being taken away Mm. was she ran to each one of her chemotherapy appointments because she just about recovered enough from the treatment to do that. And then it kind of reset and she kept a blog while she did that and then turned that into a book and just, yeah, she's amazing on so many levels, but she asked me if I would do some poems at the book launch and I found it really hard to know what to do because, Mm. well, as, as we mentioned, I think poems are such a snapshot of a certain time. And I think I like to write things looking back on events, knowing how they've turned out. Mm. And to write about something as it's unfolding or when you don't really know what's going on is, is never an easy thing. And so the, the poem I wrote came from the realisation that 
the word chemotherapy has the word mother in the middle of it. And so it just turned it into this four line poem. And yeah, even when I perform to an audience, I feel like I need to just let people sit with it however they want. But this is, yeah, poem for me. There is a mother in the middle of chemotherapy. Sitting at the end of reason is a sun. But there is a treat at the beginning of each treatment. In amongst the brunt of everything, a run. I love the way your brain works. I really love the way your brain works. I would have looked at what? Not, I don't particularly, I wouldn't love to look for that word to the end of time, but I, honestly, if it was written up on my wall and I looked at it every morning, I would never have noticed her mother in the middle of it. Yeah. But I think as well, for me, you know, so much of getting into writing, not to over-reference the 17-year-old environment rap, was about words and, <laughs> and what you could do with them. But the idea of wordplay for me was always about puns and punchlines and getting a laugh and that kind of thing. But to be able to see the beauty in language and sit with it and and use it for more personal, heavier stuff, mm. it did help me think about how to write about this mm. thing that felt really difficult mm-hmm. by having a sort of sideways angle in. So mm. it's gorgeous. Thanks. Probably wasn't a dry eye in the house. But I, I could barely get through it as well. So yeah. um, oh my, I'm props to your mom. Massive. Yeah. She's a legend. Sounds amazing. So yeah, hmm. so we're we're walking a marathon next week, which so you you walking twenty six and a half miles. Yes, from Margate Can- from Canterbury to Dover, because that's sort of that distance. And then Grace works in Dover, so she can give us a lift home. Not perfect. That's, that's the old that's Canterbury. The that's the Canterbury Tales Road as well, isn't it? Yes, exactly. So it's part of the kind of pilgrimage route. Yeah. I'll be thinking of you. When is it? Sunday, do you say? It's next Friday. Next so Friday. Just over a week away. How long does it take to walk? What's your I mean, estimated? Google Maps says <laughs> eight hours, but I think that is going down a motorway. We're going to be sort of doing a Wendy actual path thing. So we've given ourselves a day. and That's amazing, yeah. though. Okay, I will definitely be thinking of you next Friday. And I'm so glad that Grace can give you a lift back. Can you stop at pubs? Is it that kind of walk or is it like a serious walk? I think serious walks can involve pubs. (laughs) 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 We need lunch. I don't want to carry lunch. Yeah, (laughs) what about lunch? Yeah, as you can see, I've really thought through. I'm not sure where it is or what we're doing for food, but we're doing something and it's going to (laughs) be... I love it. Good luck. Thank you. I also hope it's going to be nice weather for you. Oh, hey, at least I've you have a mother that, that you want to talk yeah, to for exactly. hours. Exactly. That'd be good. Are you up for doing something, Blue, to, to finish it? Yes. Off? Yes. Um, I thought, I loved when you emailed me, you're like, something blew up to your own interpretation. And I was like, oh, and that kind of, that just even saying like, did make me think what I'd want to do for Blue and I decided on this which is a poem called Helena and I think it's Blue in a sad way I think it's Blue because 
the colour blue is definitely not in it. Oh, there is a shower at the end. Not that water's blue, but I suppose sometimes it looks blue. Anyway, it's called Helena. And I trip over a lot in this poem because it's kind of not in my voice. It's in, it's in Helena's voice. But it is also the way that we all used to speak in school. It's like an amalgamation of our voices together. Helena. So the club's closing any minute. I'd made a bit, but was dead on my feet. Then this old fucker comes in, wanting a private dance. He was a spit on my dad. Swear down. One point I had to tell him to sit on his hands. Where he's in it. But I weren't about to say no to 300 quid. Fucking hell, all they bang on about is their wives, daughters, or bank accounts while I'm their tits out. You know, Ali, I shake my head. Tiff says, who the bouncer? Yeah, the bouncer, lanky cunt. He waited for me to finish, grab my shit from the dressing room, then asked if I want to lift. I'm like, yeah, all right, because Cracker Christina's supposed to drive tonight, but she got drunk with some Simon Cow lookalike, never even made that much out of him. Idiot. Anyway, lanky Ali's like, babes, no worries, where can I drop you? Next thing I know, he's like, I just need to pick something up for my boys. Give me two mins. Ten minutes later now, he comes out of the flats to say his boy's on his way. Do I want to come in and wait? I was like, Ali, mate, I'm tired. I want to go home. He's like, babe, I know. I hear you. Then just opens a fucking passenger door. So I got to this grot hole, curl up on the sofa. Next thing I know, this prick's kissing my neck, hand between my legs. I'm like, Ali, what are you doing? I will piss on you, fucker. But maybe because I was tired or whatever, I don't know. But it felt all right. He took my heels off, rubbed my feet and that, even stuck my big toe. I was like, stop, that's weird. He was like, well, what else can I put in my mouth? Tiff and I grab each other's nighties. I know, right? I was like, what, are you a dog? He was like, I can be. We all squeal. Who says that? So fucking cheesy. Then he unzips my jeans. So I'm like, fine, he can let me out, but I want it just like a bedtime story. So he's down there for like two seconds then just stands up to take his jeans off. I'm like, no, Ali, what are you doing? Kept saying, no, Ali, what the fuck? Ali didn't care, I swear. As soon as his dick was out, he turned into a monster. Flipped me over, started acting out some horror porn shit. Pressing my head down like it was a fucking apple into that rancid sofa. It reeked, God, like actual dog shit. Then he ripped my legs apart, started spitting into my vagina, like actually gobbing inside of me. Oh my God, my God, I am so angry. Helena sets her box of wings down, places her head between her legs, starts screaming. Tiff doesn't tell her to stop. I don't either. Helena's screaming meets Scarlet's. They have a bit of a competition till Helena starts laughing, hysterical, like, I need to use your shower. Tiff nods, goes to lift Scarlet out of her cot. Helena laughs herself down and off the sofa, blonde hair dragging across the black pleather. She saunters to the bathroom before slamming the door, shouts over her shoulder, I promise I won't stay in it forever. Thank you so much. Mm. Absolutely brilliant. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you. I didn't want to read it because it's like sad, but I think it like really, I think, or what I tried to do is that I tried to get to the fact that when things were that sad, when we were younger, we didn't even know, we didn't have the language to like even talk to each other the way that we would maybe now or now that we're older or or even that we have the language to be like, oh, maybe this is what happened. Maybe you should do this. We didn't. We just all laughed or everything would come so fast that none of us could even make any sense of it. Um. Yeah, so I didn't want to be blue as in like to make me blue or you blue, but also the blueness of youth. Yeah. Or or not knowing 
what to do with language or how to communicate is a really mm. blue space to be in. Definitely. Thank you for coming on and for sharing your poems with me. Where's the best place for people to get your book if they want to, having heard you just be brilliant? Oh, well, if they want to, Waterstones or Foils or independent bookshops, Pages of Hackney are brilliant. I love them very much. Yeah, so maybe like try independent bookshop first, then go to the big guys. And then lastly, and if you, if you kind of have to, then Amazon. In that order. Um, In that order. Brilliant. Exactly Thank you so much. And I will post a link on the further reading list to your book as well, because that's now going to be a thing. What an absolute treat. I have developed a further reading list, as promised, which will link to Rachel's book, which I cannot recommend enough, but you know that by now if you've listened to this episode. Also, I've put a link to Carolyn Bird's book that Rachel mentioned for her alternative something borrowed and a link to the donation page for Mine and Mum's Walk and also my Kofi page for just generally giving me money if you like me um i'm doing commissions on there still for a while so we'll see how that goes but in general i want to say thank you for being a part of this uh we will be back with the season two at some point if you have any ideas of what you want that to look like i'm hoping it could involve some kind of live setting whilst not losing the the accessibility of the streaming element or it could just be pure podcast to go straight into your ears there's various possibilities i've got a wish list of people to come on it but if there's anyone you want to add or if you just want to say hello please do get in touch i'm on i'm on the internet you can find me but otherwise enjoy yourselves enjoy your lives you're wonderful i'll be back at some point thank you so much i love you bye something borrowed by harry baker to all of my friends who are watching right now thank